This is Keith coming at you from the Camera Social Studios, and today we are talking with Dr. Stanifer, and he is a plastic surgeon which specializes in facial procedures. And today, you know, we want to, you know, talk to him about, you know, cosmetic versus functional surgery. Yeah, I'm really interested to learn more about, like, you know, how much men are actually coming to receive these facial reconstruction procedures and what, what all really goes into them, you know what I mean? Like the follow-up, the, the consultation, the initial consultation, how to really be prepared and recover from that. So should be an interesting conversation. I hope you guys are, are ready for a really good podcast and stay tuned with us. Yeah, I agree. Thanks. The Force is with you, young Skywalker. But you are not a Jedi yet. you start with a uh, scratch off now if you win we're going to need you to kind of have a little delay and then we'll talk about it at the end of the segment to see if you won so we kind of have like different ones and so this is a new one and no one no one has been a winner yet so how are you looking pretty slim so far okay <laughs> I'm not gonna invest myself. <laughs> thank you for joining us today so this is the first time that we've, you know, are doing something different. And I think Marcus, you know, I reached out to you. We're doing a segment of cosmetic surgeries, procedures, just to kind of show the nuances and also how it's growing, right? How not only for females, but men as well. Oh, absolutely. Last time I spoke with Keith, I know he wanted to get his nose done. So <laughs> tell us, Dr. Stanford, how is your day to day? Like, how did you get into this field of uh, reconstructive facial surgery? And like, you know, just off in the beginning. Well, it started out my practice in otolaryngology, which is ear, nose, and throat. And everything we do is on the face. And even early on, I knew that I wanted to be doing the cosmetic side. Because honestly, rhinoplasty was the reason I went into cosmetic surgery. Because of all the things I do cosmetically, the nasal re reconstruction is the top of the pyramid because there's so many components to the nose. You got your nasal bones, you got your upper lateral cartilage, you got the lower lateral cartilage, you got the ala, you got the calumella, you got the septum, and you still want to breathe. <laughs> All those things have to fit together not only functionally but aesthetically to get the look that you want. But so it's really you have to kind of it's like a jigsaw puzzle. You have to pretty much just take everything apart. Now you got to know before you go in what you're going to do to each one of those segments because if you change one segment one thing it changes relationship to everything else so that's why it's such a artistic as well as engineering you know feat to get it exactly like you want it so yeah and I, I agree because I think that's one you know people they look at our faces immediately and I'm not sure if Marcus knows this but I actually had my nose done when I was in the military oh, did you? <laughs> I did I have very bad sinuses and so I went and had a um, septal rhinoplasty so I, like a, I had a small bump like right here. And I was like, well, the military is going to pay for it. Might as well sure. get it done. Actually, we were doing, you know, lots and lots and lots of men. You know, we thought it was going to be the percentages were going to be greater because we were doing so many. But we do so many more women <laughs> as well. It's still like 10 to 12 percent of our surgical schedule. Really? Yeah. So, so how, many, how many parts are in the nose? Did you, like seven, there were seven different parts that I heard you just mention in the nose alone. So it's not just... Well, that plus you got your sinuses internally. You got your turbinates, which are the membranes that swell when you get a stuffy nose or when you get an allergy attack. 
and then all those have to work as well. So, what about uh, let's say people if they have allergies, can can is there a type of uh, is there a cosmetic procedure that can help them if if they have a like me let's say for example, every time let's say around May through July the pollen builds up so I, I sneeze probably fifty times a day. <laughs> can is there a type of cosmetic procedure that that can fix that? Cosmetic, probably no. It's a functional. It's just the the balloon sinuplasties, which are opening up the sinuses. Because the sinusitis comes from when the allergens hit the nose. It makes the membranes in the nose swell. It's from histamine release. And so that's why antihistamines, if you take it before you get around whatever you're allergic to, it helps much more (laughs) than if you do it after the histamine's been released because then it takes about three days for the histamine to go away. When the membranes swell it closes down the sinuses and they can't drain. That's what causes the sinus you know, headaches. So keeping the membranes shrunken down, and you can treat them preemptively with the antihistamines. And if you've got a season, and I just tell you to take it every day, start about a week or two before the season starts, and just to take it every day, be preemptive on it, you know, and that'll keep the membrane from swelling. Now, if you, need a, if you do get swollen, then a decongestant is what's going to shrink the membranes down or take the headache away and take the pressure off the sinuses and let them drain. Because if they stay swollen all the time, then that's when you end up starting getting the sinus infections. And that's kind of the, the, the way that the dominoes fall. When the membranes, the membranes in their nose are called turbinates. And when they swell and they stop everything up, sometimes you can actually trim those turbinates when you're doing your septal surgery or your sinus surgery and, and where they can't swell enough to give you as much pain. So there's lots of things up, up the ladder that you can do to keep it. But as far as cosmetic, that's something the insurance should cover for you anyways. Now, from the shoulders up, I can take care of it. Well, not brain surgery. <laughs> we do the facial cosmetic surgery, and most of the people come in, you know, everybody seems like they come in with the neck. It's so universal because these, these platysma muscles are so active, and it, as we lose our elasticity in our skin and these muscles become more active, then that's where you get the, either the two lines if the muscles are divided or if they're together, they just kind of head south in a lot of people, and they get the one big waddle. So either way, we want the nice clean, you know, uh, inverted L uh, neckline, if you will, or, or profile. And uh, to get that, we not only pull the platysma muscles back posteriorly, but we also lift up the skin underneath the chin and actually uh, take the tissue out in between and then suture it to give you that nice shelf. Now, the muscle still wants to work, so we trick it, which is safe to do. We do a little back cut to keep you uh, from getting that bowstring effect, and that's what gives you that nice inverted L. Is there a uh, a certain age where people start coming in, you know, concerning this? Because I may have to, you know. He wants to be a patient. Elasticity is the whole issue, you know. And that's when it starts, they start loosening up, depending on the amount of sun exposure and the genetics. But usually in the late 40s to early 50s, all the way through 75 to 80 even. And I've done two men, 91, so it never gets too old. <laughs> How about social media? How will that impact your practice? I've seen a lot of many people taking Instagram pictures and say, always want to look a little bit better. Has that been beneficial? It's been beneficial because when we look at the, the Instagram pictures or the selfies and, 
and a lot of those are distorted because those cameras sometimes <laughs> the way you get the angle it really makes things even look much worse than they really are but we get that plus with this covid thing everybody doing the zoom sitting there looking at themselves all day <laughs> on the zoom conferences you know and they all of a sudden they start seeing all these things <laughs> you know you know the little waddles or the little jowls or the you know the puffy eyes or the you know droopy eyelids or the droopy brows <laughs> you know and would you say more people notice them their imperfections since covid like oh absolutely under- well even back when the ipad first came out when you start looking down at an ipad you know and all this gathers around your neck wow. the, people said oh my <laughs> yeah i mean i never really I thought about that because I look at Marcus all the time. I tell him he needs something done with his face. <laughs> Some people say it's the sunlight, right? So I'm like, all right, let me get better lighting. Then maybe my face will look better. And right, but yeah, angle. the angle. And, you know, that you can do a lot of things with a camera. You know, just the angle of the camera. You can make things look better or worse, accentuate it. And uh, part of ours is to take standard pictures, you know, just to make sure that with good lighting and without all the background uh, noise, if you will, and all the things that distort the picture. And before and afters are just amazing. Seeing that transition, that's the best part of our jobs because people, when they figuratively have that little anchor that they're dragging around, you know, and all of a sudden you take that anchor away, I mean, they walk a little taller, they feel better about themselves, they look in the mirror and the person they're looking at is the person they feel like inside instead of the other way around. And so it just sets the stage for the day. So, I mean, just life is just better. (laughs) How has like the virtual, I guess, consultations gone? Like, you know, as far as assessing somebody via Zoom or any type of video call, is that that kind of something you guys are doing now? And how has that experience been? We've done tons of those and it's, it's so convenient for the patient that they don't have to get dressed and come to the office and all that kind of stuff. And so they get all their questions answered just over their iPhone and their, or their Zoom, and they just feel so much more comfortable about it. So they kind of they kind of get to know me a little bit, and I get to know them a little bit from afar, if you will. And they, we have a very, very high percentage that, you know, that do actually come to the office and, you know, book a consult and even uh, or book surgery. So yes. Do you think that's something you guys would continue to maintain even post-COVID once things Absolutely, because we have patients from all over. We have patients many miles away and even different countries away. I was always curious because even though when I had my procedure done, I was in the military, and so it was covered. What procedures are covered by insurance? Because I know most patients, like myself, I always thought that, hey, I'm insurance, so it was covered. I don't think there's any cosmetic procedures that's covered by insurance. Very, very, very few. The only thing, if the upper eyelid gets so intense that it affects your field of vision, then the insurance company will pay for that. But even then, that's more just a functional surgery. And then a lot of the people that do that kind of stuff don't even do the, you are not cosmetically oriented, so they really don't extend the incision. And sometimes we have to revise those. So even though I have sinus problems, that's a functional thing. That wouldn't be covered by insurance? Absolutely. Okay like rhinoplasties that are resulted from a nasal fracture and a dead distortion, and you have both functional as well as aesthetic things, they they will actually pay to the aesthetic part, part, or at least part of it. Now, whatever is attributable to pure cosmetic, they, the bureaucracy is pretty great, so they, they find a way to deny that part of it, so. You're the only, correct me if I'm wrong, the only facial cosmetic surgeon in the DFW area that does the my elevate facial procedure it's a very it's a brand new procedure that's just come out and uh, we were the first ones in in DFW so I don't know if there's been more we've done a handful so far and been very very excited about it so can you uh, tell us a little bit about that what's the, what's the difference from that technique compared to others well it's a, a minimally invasive if you will so there's, there's no real 
incisions like I was telling you about with the, the more extensive neck lift. It's just a, it's a way to, underneath the skin, actually pass a suture to uh, kind of elevate the, the anterior, the muscles here, the platissa muscles. So if we call them the bands and the glands. A lot of people get the little submandibular glands that are kind of drooping. And you can actually help put some support with that. So it's for people that aren't quite ready for a facelift. They're not quite at that point where they really need the full thing or they just either can't take the downtime and or they don't want an incision and they can do that to kind of really give them elevate and get it much much better if not completely take care of it so uh, or people that have had the surgery and they still got the have the glands but we can actually elevate those glands and support those glands what is the recovery time for that minimal minimal bruising why don't have anybody that's had any extensive bruising. In fact, they come back a week and they look like they've never had surgery. So part of it is that same band, that platysmal band, that anterior band that kind of gives you the two, two lines. We actually, underneath the skin, cut that band and we don't want that band to re-heal. So we have to put them in a little soft collar, just like you do after you had a car accident, you know, and to kind of help keep those bands from uh, re-approximating. So it's uh, that stays on for 10 days but again there's no stitches we don't even put a stitch in i mean on the skin at all I'll, on one stitch is it's going to be it's a permanent suture that stays in there for and gives you at least five years is what a correction is what they're talking about it can be redone if you need to and it can be uh you can it doesn't keep you from having to face lift later on so i have two questions for you doctor sure. all right so my first question is has there ever been someone that came to you and like they're like you know they probably wanted the works and it was just really beyond their means like just <laughs> it wasn't even possible for what they were asking H- has that ever happened and then my second question is that in the opposite of that has there been someone that came to you with that maybe had some type of diagnosis maybe cancer or something that they felt some type of reconstructive surgery would be beneficial or it, it's much needed maybe not cancer but some type of illness that they needed to have some type of cosmetic procedure and it could have been life-threatening there's so many different things that you can do number one we sit down and chat with the patient see what their primary concern is and then sometimes even though their concern is maybe just the neck they may have issues with their jowls or their you know upper or lower eyelids or even their brows and just because we talk to them about it doesn't mean they have to do it now some of them say oh i never thought about that because human nature is our we look at ourselves through here but Really, if you think about it, what you look at when you look at other people and what they notice about you, your eyes. Most people don't go looking <laughs> under your chin. Yeah. So anytime we come in for this, we always at least talk about all the different factors of their face. And some of them are ready, just want to do the small procedure like the my elevator or just a, a little liposuction underneath the chin, and they're not ready for or don't can't afford you know, the whole enchilada. So we just talk to them about all the different things, and you can customize all that story. We're sensitive to their budget. But as my consultant says, we give you kind of a shopping list. You know, you can kind of, whatever you decide you want, you can you can do that. But now I do try to focus on whatever their primary concern is. Because you think about it, if you don't take care of the one the thing that they came in for, no matter how great everything else looks, if you don't do that, nobody's happy. One of the things that we do before any cosmetic surgery is to make sure that they're healthy enough to do it. So if there's something that psychological thing that they've had, traumatic accident or something like that, we do end over backwards to help those people to get a reconstruction. In fact, you know, a lot of them we do pro bono, you know, just to kind of help them because they either can't or could, wouldn't be able to afford it. So, in fact, the American Academy of Facial Plastics has what they call the face-to-face 
which is for, you know, have two different divisions, one for domestic abuse, and then we have one for just, you know, traumatic accidents and people that just can't afford. Marcus prob- has probably never seen this movie, but I was thinking about it as, as we were talking. Don't tell me you're talking about Face Off. <laughs> Don't tell me you're talking about Face Off. Wait, you good looking. <laughs> face Off. Is that realistic? Or can it be, I know it's probably not be done right now, but just. Right after, that movie's been what 15 years ago or or longer and yeah probably longer than that and uh, about 10 or 12 years ago they did the first face transplant where they they've been doing in the reconstructive era in the faces they are found that they're able to take skin either from the forearm or the thigh or the the leg and preserve the vessels to it and they tie it to the natural vessels in the neck and they can actually get a very large skin paddle to actually take the technical abilities of doing that and they did they had a firefighter actually the first one was in france and there's a lady that <laughs> believe it or not she had her face the entire facial thing reconstructed i think she'd had a burn as a child they did it and they did her interview after they had everything working <laughs> and she's sitting there smoking a cigarette of all things so <laughs> so it was a, it was a kind of <laughs> A dichotomy, yeah, <laughs> a contrast. <laughs> Not we don't recommend <laughs> men doing that for best, you know, to get it to heal. But uh, they can, we can actually regraft the facial nerves and get them to work and get some movement. And they've really gone up. Now they haven't done a ton of them. I've probably done less than a dozen as far as you know in the states now. So, but uh, it's on the forefront, and that's the guys now that are getting in their training early on. Now they're a lot of them are doing you know, those kind of reconstructive fellowships at that point. They were just starting to do that when I was going through. They, we, didn't, we didn't even have any of those reconstructive, you know, things with our, our blood, blood flow. So if somebody's on the America's Most Wanted list, they can get a, their face redone. There's, there's a one, one or two places in the United States that can do that. <laughs> Uh, it would be a big. If you need to look more handsome, we'll get, you're trying to get my face on you. I feel that's what you're trying to do. There you uh-huh. go. <laughs> <laughs> my grandfather, he had cancer in his throat from smoking cigars. And when you said that, it kind of think, how often do patients? I mean, is that is that something that that cosmetically they can fix? Maybe, maybe they can't speak again. They probably still need that device. But how have you? What have you seen if not done? Well, I think you're speaking about a laryngectomy where they actually take the voice box out. Yeah. When they do that, you know, they actually divert the airway into a hole in the neck. They have a what's called a Bloom Singer valve, so they can actually put that in there, and they can actually, it's kind of like a reed thing, and they can, they can get some speech out of it. Wow. And the problem is is that they can't close it up too much, then they can't breathe because <laughs> they have to breathe and, you know, speak through this same yeah. thing. So that valve is very customized to you know to make sure they get plenty of air as well as be able to speak. So, in fact, that's what our normal vocal cords. When we take a breath in, the vocal cords separate so you can get air in, and then when you want to speak, they come together so that the reeds of the the vocal cords vibrate or the membranes vibrate to to give you sound. Wow. And so that's why that's so cosmetically. You know they they have the devices there or they have the little uh, vibrator thing that you can put on the side of your neck uh when you when you start speaking but thank you very much dr stafford right? stand yes yeah that's right um so do you have any uh tips or advice 
for our listeners that are maybe considering facial reconstructive surgery or any type of procedures, what, what's some common tips that maybe you would give to our listeners and that may be seeking a doctor like yourself? Nowadays, you know, there's a specialist in everything. So we consider ourselves facial specialists. And so that's all we do. We don't do the body work or the, you know, the liposuctions or the breast or tummy tucks. And so we do just faces. And that's what we do all day, every day, <laughs> pretty much four days a week for sure. And then we have to see patients on the fifth day. <laughs> so we have to, have to see consults. So, you know, but uh, seeing a specialist and do your, do your research, you know, go find out somebody that's that does have experience that has not just started doing this because trust me experience is the best teacher <laughs> as good as i thought i was you know several years ago <laughs> there's no doubt experience is a, a great teacher so you know can you um provide the listeners with your um, contact information your um, website sure yeah we're at uh, freshimagecenters.com and we're right across the tollway or just south of trinity mills on the tollway the micon building called fresh image cosmetic surgery center phone number is 214-540-0371 freshimagecenters.com can get us uh anytime so excellent thank you very much thank you thanks that was a very, very, very interesting podcast with Dr. Standifer. Now I really understand why people go to get these cosmetic procedures, not only because that they see themselves in a different perspective, but shit, being on Zoom and FaceTime. Yep. People see their necks in a different light when they're on Zoom. So <laughs> yeah. And then you know, one of the things he shared was, uh, was telehealth. Telehealth is, is here to stay for, for doctors and their patients. And so virtual care, remote care, Telehealth is going to be here to stay. Yeah. Yeah, I know you said it's a, it's a great way to reach new patients. And um, for all the listeners that were actually listening to the podcast, you can find his practice right across the street from the Camera Social Studios where me and KP record our podcast daily. So make sure you check out Fresh Image. Fresh Image. Oh, and then one of the things that I want to, you know, thank Dr. Stanford for was he talked about face-off. The other question in the back of my mind, I wanted to make sure I got that out there. He answered it, the procedure being done. So, yeah. so It is possible. Yeah. So thanks for listening to our podcast for today. Stay tuned for more as we continue this October endeavor. Stay tuned and make sure you subscribe. Thanks for listening. Thanks.